This podcast features detailed descriptions of real dead bodies. Listener discretion is advised. I'm Christine Levine, and you're listening to Found Dead. My name is Rick, and I found another dead body. There was blood everywhere. Everybody was running towards him. The first thing Scott says is if I killed anybody again today. However you feel about what you're about to find out about me is none of my business. Today's episode, The Body After the Interview. Previously on Found Dead, we spoke to Rick. You might remember that he had found six dead bodies. And he's got our high score as far as guests go. Well, he's maintaining his lead. And don't worry, we'll get to that. But first, I wanted to hear what it's been like for Rick since his episodes came out. So you are one of our most popular guests. I mean, you're popular with living people and popular with, I think, dead people too. Wouldn't you say that? I assume so at this point. (laughs) It's not funny, but it's funny. If it wasn't funny, it'd be terrible, right? Right. Yeah, Yeah. at this point, you do have to sort of joke about it. And I definitely think that you have a book or two to write about this. Because again, this is like an odd phenomena that nobody would believe it. When I tell people that I have found multiple dead bodies, I get like side eye, like what? You know, I get a little suspicion, a little murder she wrote jokes. Oh, yeah. yeah. So they just magically appear every time you're around. That's convenient. Yeah. When I go out and we see Scott and Barb, the first thing Scott says is if I killed anybody again today. Is that hurtful or how does that make you feel? It's not hurtful. I think in in the long run, it, like we've talked about before, it brings attention to the situation and that people never talk about it. Mm-hmm. So if that's his way, if that's people's way of reaching out and saying something, then I guess it's good. I mean, I can take a, a poke here and there. Yeah, that's an interesting way of looking at it. Yeah, if that's how they're going to, they want to talk about it, or sometimes they'll have their own story that they want to share. Right. My son, Josh, he has his birthday on 9-11. And anytime somebody says, oh, so what's your birthday? What's your sign? And he goes, September 11th. I mean, it started off, you know, kind of funny, but then all of a sudden these people, strangers are going into their own where were they origin story on the day of, they start off with some horrible tragic my son died my dad's cousin died just always something and i have a feeling that 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 is what happens to me that is what happens to you too for sure because i didn't talk about it before very often to anybody um i didn't know what to expect so i think maybe there's a magnet there because it's so unusual to people it may not be unusual in the world but for people to hear it and to hear the way it has happened to me the series of events is unique enough for people to actually want to say something to me. Even at work, somebody, you know, said something to me, a couple of things to me about it. And it's all kind of coming from different places and different people's different perspectives. I have to say, mostly people seem to be empathizing or flat out feeling sorry for me. Whoa, how does that make you feel? That makes me feel like I need to explain myself and say it's okay, you know? that my, you know, I've, I've processed my life at this point, right? I'm okay, but I guess you get, you need to deal with what you just found out about me. Yeah. And then you are consoling them. Yep. Like it's okay. I, this is a long time ago. It's all going to be okay. You don't need to worry about me. And that's, that's probably the overwhelming sense I'm getting from people. 
That is so interesting to me because you stated pretty explicitly about all of the therapy that you've been through uh -huh. and how you processed it. But the way you just said it, you just said, now you have to deal with what you learned about me. Right. Like when, uh, when it started happening and, you know, I don't talk about, you know, my prison experience very often. It's not necessary. So most of these people have never known about that, about me. So that is a shock to them because I don't present myself that way at all. So they had, especially at work, it's been a shock for people. Like when I, when I went ahead, when I posted it on social media, I said, what, however you feel about what you're about to find out about me is none of my business. You need to go deal with that on your own. Wouldn't that have been nice if they had just read that List and then, yeah, yeah, listened, heard you, mm -hmm. kept it to themselves. He's yep. right. I've got to deal with this. Yes. I wish they had, <laughs> but I'm okay with it. It's my, it's my life. It's my stuff I've had to deal with my consequences for my life. I'm okay dealing with it. I'm not hurt by it or scared by it. I don't feel like I have to explain myself too much. You know, if I'm asked a specific question, I'll answer the specific question, but in general, I'm like, yeah, well, that's that. That's what it is. You're so pragmatic and so like matter of fact about it. You can tell that you've done a lot of healing and yeah. you've come a long way. I think uh, this year has been a big, big part of it. I think sitting down with you earlier this year and then hearing it back for the first time. So I've never heard myself tell the story. I've also never told it in a full chronological order before. And to hear it in an hour, you know, in two 25 minute stints was overwhelming at first. I think I've listened to it 30 times just to hear. First, I thought, gosh, this is so tragic. Why would I ever tell anybody about it? And then it was a process of grieving some things all over again for a little bit. And then it was like, okay, now we can just go forward and be like, it's all out there. There's nothing left. You know, I bared my whole soul. What can happen now? Right. Does it feel liberating now? Oh yeah. To you? Oh yeah, for sure. Cause I don't have, I don't have anything to worry about. I, I'm not worrying about what people might find out now. So for the last 15 plus years, I was always like, well, what if somebody finds out, will they judge me different? Not just the prison thing, but even like six bodies, you know? So how are they going to judge lot. me? It's a lot. And uh, now whatever judgment they have, whoever has the brave or is brave enough to bring it to me, cool. Otherwise, I, again, it's none of my business. So it does feel good. Yeah. So you and your husband, Sean, had an incident happen at work. Mm -hmm. And um, I mean, <laughs> like of all the people of for this people. to happen, it was just no. When you told me what happened, mm -hmm. I thought you were joking. I thought you were just, this was make, made up fantasy land. Oh, yeah. Right. Again. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I'm sure you did. Uh-huh. Until mm -hmm. I sent you yeah. pictures, right? And then you yeah. sent pictures. Yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. We're getting ahead of ourselves. Why don't you just tell me from the beginning what happened. We'll be right back. Hi, Christine here. I just wanted to come in and say that if you have been enjoying our show, we'd love it if you would go to your podcast app of choice and leave us a five-star review and share our episodes on social media. It'll help new people find our show so that we can keep bringing you great stories of finding dead bodies. It's just the way everyone wants to start their Friday morning. 
And now back to the show. We were working, my husband and I work at the same place. Um, and we were in a van, a cargo van, and we were coming back to our office and we had just, we just moved to this office. So it was a, there one week, I think. And as we were coming around the corner, somebody, a homeless man had right then been shot in the head and had just fallen to the ground. And as we came around the corner, everybody was running towards him. And I sort of slowed down. It was really obvious. There was blood everywhere. And I started to slow down to stop. And I saw all these other people coming and I just kept driving. Right? Yep. Just like I've had to ask every guest so far, like, and what did you do? Did you think about leaving? Did you want to leave? But I know that with your experience, because this has happened so many times, you knew exactly where this was going to go. And it was going to be a day ruiner. They would have made you sit there. Where were you? They would have gotten your fingerprints. They would have crawled up your ass and Mm -hmm. your husband's and just tried to dissect your whole life right there. Right. We went back Mm -hmm. to the office and then um, a little while later, the detectives were kind of going door to door. You know what I mean? And so when they came and rang the the doorbell and I just, you know, made myself scarce. I didn't want to talk to anybody. Well, they had plenty of other people, right? Yeah. Yeah. They just wanted to see if anybody saw anything. Um, I know that they they caught the the bad guy within a couple of hours. What was kind of sad about it is we drove by to leave to go home about four hours later and he was still there they you know they hadn't finished processing anything yet so there is a little bit of an indignity that they don't work a little faster they always Mm -hmm. seem to be so casual every time i've seen a scene like that they just kind of stand around they talk about i imagine their families like how you doing bob i'm Mm -hmm. good did you find out what happened exactly like what was this about Um, Just through the grapevine, it it was basically the two homeless men were having a confrontation of some sort, and one pulled out a gun, and that was it. It was over for that guy. Just like that. Yeah. What could that fight have been about? Drugs, probably. I I know. I was just going to say, like, I always think about drugs because that is the one thing that makes people crazy. Crazy. Yeah. That's that's what I assumed. Yeah, that's what I assumed Mm -hmm. immediately. And actually, to to follow up on what you're saying about them standing around, it was weird. We passed by, and it was just like three patrol cars with cops sitting in them. Nobody it was oh, even no. outside. They were just sitting in the cars. It was hot. And most likely waiting for the coroner, whoever, the morgue people to come. Yeah, they have to sit and wait. So this mm. would be like your seventh body, and then your husband's first? It is his first experience, yes. How was that for him? How's he? How's he doing? I think he's fine. He doesn't seem all that affected by it for right now. I don't know. He talked about it some. He talked about the the blood and that he was laying com- flat on his face. I think that affected him a little bit, but not that, you know. Plus, I've told him a million stories and been very detailed on some things, so maybe I desensitized him a bit. <laughs> <laughs> I actually think you probably have. <laughs> right. That, <Yeah. laughs> that kind of does help when you have a partner that's gone through a lot of trauma your partner kind of goes through that with you. Yeah. They they feel it too, in a way. So what do you think? Is this a coincidence? What is it? You said last time that, do I think that it's people are drawn because they can handle it? I thought about that a lot when after you said that. And I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if it's just really bad luck or if, it, if that's the case. 
to be 100% honest, I don't know that I could have handled it if I got out of the car this time. It might have been just too much because we had just done this this recording, you know what I mean? And Yeah, and it, it was, yeah. everything else was really, really fresh for you. Yeah, and I, you know, and to do the first sit down with you, I had to like bring a lot of stuff up before I came to talk to you and I had to write notes down because of that therapy, you know what I mean, that pushes things back to that long-term memory. So I had to take a take some time to make sure I had everything right and, you know, and make sure I wasn't going to do it out of order or anything like that. I never sat down with somebody who had so much to talk about like that. Like it, it was hard to listen to, especially, but I love you so much. And just to see the pain on such a, a scale like that and right. have it one after the other, you know, you don't really get that, you know, when you're w- with your friends, I don't think, or people that you love in your life where they dump it all. Or, and that wasn't even all. I mean, that's not like all of your trauma. That's just what we're talking about on this particular subject matter. Right. And it was very painful to hear that you'd been through all that. It explains a lot about what kind of man you are, what kind of friend you are, what kind of you know husband you are, and that you're so remarkable and so kind and sweet, but also tough. Right. Well, you're going to make, you need to, you're going to make me cry and that's not, that's not good. (laughs) Oh, I'm doing my best Barbara Walters. (laughs) But it's all true. It's all true. Like that really um, explained a lot about your character to me. And I love you very much. And man, let's just go one year with no dead people, shall we? Let's just do that. Yeah, we can. We'll try. It, It was a couple years, you know, between the last one and this one. So, you know, but like you said, the, the whole rest of the trauma is something that has nothing to do with the subject matter, right? No matter what you have to work through. I think we talked about it before about violence and in prison and, you know, you and I have talked about it on personally, just about the living, living on the edge every day, sleeping with one eye open, so to speak, and how that translates into the real world and, and how it doesn't fit out here. And that trauma is something that that will always be there. You can't erase it. You can't not look over your shoulder. You just can't. It's just the way it goes. Yeah, you don't think that you're ever going to be able to relax, do you? Mm -mm. No, no. I try, you know, I really do. I try to find my safe places and and stuff. and, And I really haven't found one place where I can just take a deep breath and feel safe. Like even at home, if I hear, you know, the door creak or something, I'm on high alert. It's just such conditioning and so many years of it to reverse it or to change it. I mean, even the, even my therapist was like, there are just some things that are going to be the way they are. Of all the people that I know that deserve to feel safe 24 seven, you are at the top of my list, babe. And Mm. I'm sorry, you definitely deserve that. Everybody does, but you especially. No, thank you. You're a good goddamn person, man. uh, So are you. Well, we do our best. I want to know what you think happens after we die. Do you think there's an afterlife or heaven? So I, I don't believe in any of that. That's the simple answer. I think that you just cease to exist. I think that, uh, I think the death is just like before you were born. Nothing. I used to really want it to be something. I used to really think it was going to be something. And I think my experiences taught me that in my, my humble opinion, that 
that it people use it to make themselves feel better. I just don't, I don't see, I mean, everything dies, everything dies and everything dies and that's it. Right. So I don't know why it, it would be special for us. That's what makes me feel better about my experiences is that just knowing that it's natural and normal, everybody's going to die. Everything is going to die and it is okay. And yeah. sometimes they're going to die right in front of you, or yep. you're going to be hiking along and you're going to find somebody who had a bad day and it, it's weird. And it's kind of like, uh, to you, but the truth is it's totally normal. Right. And even to people like me and you who have had repeated over and over and over again, have run into these kinds of situations. You know what? It's totally normal for us too. Right. And you're right. right. Why would it be different for us? We're animals too. And it just right. makes sense. How weird is it that we have this idea that if something dies in a place, then that person and their consciousness doesn't get to leave there. Yeah. Isn't that weird? It is weird. It's weird. And it's hard for me to comprehend. Like, like I was saying, there was a time where I really wanted to believe in it. And I like got really into like reading the books from the mediums, you know, the famous mediums and, oh, you know, yeah. this. John Edwards and the Sylvia Browns and all of them. And, yeah. you know, right now, right now it's that Tyler person and Teresa Caputo or whatever, and I'll watch yep. it, but then I'll catch them doing their little tricks. And I've been in a hospice room where somebody passed away and mm -hmm. yeah, the room feels different, but I, I don't know that it actually feels different. It feels different to us because something changed, right? Like, you know, right. Yeah. So we feel different. Therefore, no matter what the energy in the room feels different. I don't know. I mean, I've walked like, like when I found the dead guy at the porn store, I did not think that he was dead because they usually weren't. Mm -hmm. But the second I cracked that door open, I unlocked it with the key. And the second I just pushed it open a little bit and I saw his, this is just the side of his shoulder. Mm -hmm. I was like, he's dead. There's something about a dead thing, a body, mm -hmm. a meat sack that stopped pumping air. Listen, human beings, we have to, in order for us to have survived this long and avoided, uh, you know, saber-toothed tigers or getting eaten and destroyed or whatever, and living like animals, there's a part of us that has to be able to instinctually smell it, feel it, sense mm -hmm. it, something. Yeah. There has absolutely. to be like some kind of way we can do that. But is it is it supernatural? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know that it's spiritual or supernatural. I think that it's probably natural. It's probably instinct. I'll say, I'll, I mean, I guess I'll clear something up there too. Like, I think science has proved energy doesn't cease to exist, right? Everything's energy gets, you know, brought back into the universe one way or another. So I believe that's true, but I can also point to science on that too. I used to wait for the butterfly for my grandma, all that stuff, but I'm not, I'm not yes. that person anymore. I know what you mean. I want to believe in that stuff too. I want it so bad. I just... I will hold on to seeing a hummingbird or a dragonfly or any kind of sign from somebody that I love, any kind of, and I'll hold on to it. I want it so bad. But the truth is a logical person in me, the other side just goes, this makes no sense. How could that mm -hmm. even be? And then even, even though, you know, we, we go, okay, energy can't be destroyed. Fair enough. It can't be. I accept that. But it doesn't stay. It's not in the container anymore. Right. So it right. dissipates, it degrades, yeah. it goes, mm -hmm. it turns into something else, but mm -hmm. not necessarily a ghost. Like 
the consciousness of somebody. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Whatever this computer inside of us, whatever's making us tick, that energy does go away, but it transfers into something that will, you know, grow plants or mushrooms or whatever. Yeah, yeah. It goes back into the ground. I think what we do as humans is we attach so much to our loved ones, right? And I do it too. But Mm -hmm. for me, their memory and keeping what they've taught me and, and what I remember about them, the good stuff, the bad stuff, whatever, that is how they live on, not in some religious aspect or some spiritual aspect. They live on in our memories. In our memories, yeah. How do you want to die? I've thought about this often. I think I mentioned it before that because of all the stuff that's happened in my life, I was very afraid to die for a very long time. I would get anxiety attacks just thinking about it. Obviously, for me, I think the best way to die would just be like, boom, I got hit by a truck and it'd be done. I don't know how the rest of my people would feel about that, but that for me would be like the best way. Or 50% of me wants it just to be instant and it happens. 50% of me wants to actually like kind of get to a place to where I just am sick or old and want to die. Because then it's a relief. It's a relief for you, but also it's a relief for everybody else. Right. So maybe I can just accept my mortality at that point instead of worrying about it. I don't know, maybe get to that point where like, I'm so tired and my body hurts so much and and I'm, I'm in a wheelchair and I'm 90 and I just want to die. Maybe I want to feel like that. But mostly, maybe I just want to fall asleep and not wake up. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to be scared. That's right. Whatever way I go, I want to not have a bunch of fear. I don't want to be afraid of it. That's exactly right. Yeah. That's why I was afraid to fly for a really long time. Not because I was afraid of the crash or, you know, the the crash isn't the problem. It's the three, four minutes before it hits the ground or the water. That is the problem. And um, when my father-in-law, ex-father-in-law, whatever, my ex-husband's dad passed away, that is watching him, he had cancer, and watching him be scared was a nightmare. And to be honest with you, he did not die, like, bravely. He, He fought it. He was upset. He was scared. He was all legitimate feelings. He was angry. And it was weird. Like when you call, when he call um, his friends, I mean, would call and just check on him, I guess, and say, Hey, how are you doing? And he would say, what do you mean? How am I doing? I'm going to be dead in two weeks. What are you doing? Hmm. What are you talking to me about? He was so pissed (laughs) off. Yeah. And you can't really go, Hey, um, you're kind of being a dick to everybody right (laughs) now. Can you just reel it in a little bit? But it did teach me something that if I get to that point where it is my turn and Mm. that's just how it's going to happen to me, I hope I remember that it is not about me at that point. It is no longer about me. And it is about the people I leave behind. And I do not want to make them scared, even if I am scared. Mm -hmm. You know, like, you know, you've got um, your kids that you, you know, your nieces and nephews and stuff that you've got to protect. Mm Mm-hmm. So you know what I'm talking about. Right. You know that your instinct is to make sure that they are okay. Your family is okay first, even above yourself. I know you I know you're like that. Right. 
that's what I think, like, if it ever does get to be your turn and something has to happen like that, I think that you are absolutely going to rise to that occasion and you'll put your fear away for their, for their sake. If not for anything else, you'll do it. Yeah. Yeah, probably. I probably want to be mad. <laughs> but, yeah. You will want to be mad. Yeah, of course. Right. Of course, but we're just going to eat that shit sandwich and go down with the ship. Fine. That's right. That's right. I, I didn't think I was going to make it out of my situation alive before, you know? Yeah. And uh, I thought that I had a greater chance of not making it out alive. So there was right. a lot of thought about that, a lot of fear, like fear that you couldn't show. You know? Oh, yeah, because every day for those eight years, you were, mm -hmm. and that's a long time to spin the wheel. Yeah, yeah a long every time. Day. Every day. And it, it changes you fundamentally, you know. Oh, that, that kind of stress has to change your DNA. Yeah, yeah, I believe so. Yeah, it changes you in every, it changes every part of you, every part of your psyche. I think it change. I think it even changes your, your, your body. And how, how you physically interact in the world. How you hold yourself. Mm -hmm. How you look at people in parking lots, how you see somebody walk through a door, you know. Yeah, you cannot ever relax. Mm -mm. Someday. Someday when they tell me I'm dying. <laughs> <laughs> I can be like, finally. Finally. <laughs> this was a hard interview for me. All of them are challenging in their own way, but Rick is different. We're close friends. It occurred to me that we don't have conversations like this, especially as adults. Kids will say whatever comes to their minds, but as adults, we recognize that probably people don't want to talk about it, you know, whatever their it is. But when a close friend comes to you and wants to tell you something and like, you know, it's going to be heavy, we still often end up avoiding it. We're too busy. We've got our own stuff going on or, you know, it's just too much. There are times that I don't even return a phone call because I know it's going to take a lot of time. And for a conversation like this, you need to make mental and emotional space and you need time. If it wasn't for doing this podcast, I wouldn't even have had this conversation with Rick. I mean, I'm being honest here because it seemed like too much. And I wasn't sure if I wanted to know, but now I'm so glad I did. I think we should have these conversations more often because I do want to know. I want to know what my friends and my family have been through and what made them the people I love today. It's not easy. It can be draining, but it's important and it's worth it. That's the kind of conversation we'll be having next week when I sit down with my friends Bingo Bingaman and Chad Shank. We'll be talking about a death that affected all three of us and many more in The Body of a Friend. Me and Derek and Amy, and we sang songs on the grass, and that's the last time I saw her. Found Dead is a Levine Entertainment production. This show is produced and edited by Nora Williams. Our logo is by Nora Williams, based on a design by Chris Levine. Our theme music is Autumn Sunset by Jason Shaw. The interview you heard today was edited for length and clarity. If you found someone dead and would like to tell your story, reach out to us through email at founddeadpod at gmail.com. Or you can find us on Twitter and Facebook at founddeadpod. I cannot believe you saw another dead person. I cannot <laughs> believe. I mean, and a violent one, too. It's just, it just oh, no, I shouldn't have done that with my head. I'm sorry. I just... I met mind blown. My head exploded. There, there's the stand-up comedian. 